Ahoy, Buck fans! Are ye looking for a different kind of podcast that centers on the yellow-bellied opponents? Well, you've come to the right place. Get ready for an enjoyable, in-depth look back at the important moments, historical facts, and games for the Buccaneers against this week's opposition. It's the No Quarter Given podcast on the BuckPower.com podcast network. Now, let's get started with your co-hosts, Jason Powers and Peter Blake. Well, 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 welcome back to episode four of the No Quarter Given podcast. We are a part of the BuckPower.com podcast network. I'm your host, Jason Powers, co-host Peter Blake. We are down here in Tampa, Florida. Peter, no undefeated season for our 2021 Tampa Bay Buccaneers as the Bucks fall in Los Angeles 34-24. Yeah, not going to happen this year. I didn't necessarily think it was going to happen. Of course, everybody was trying to kind of sell me on it. But at the end of the day, it is the National Football League. And of course, uh, the way you play against the Rams, especially defensively, uh, just not a good day for the Bucks. I mean, offensively, not a lot of turnovers, anything like that. But defensively, you can't get off the field. That was the key. 10 for 15 for the Rams. So on third down, it's ridiculous. Yeah, let's break down the game just a little bit. Obviously, you know, in retrospect, people that watch the game, you know, the Bucks defense struggled, especially the secondary. They had a tough time, that, you know, getting off the field. I, I thought a, a key play in the game early was when Jamel Dean dropped a sure interception in the first quarter when it was still 0-0. Who knows if that changes the outcome. But, you know, if the Bucks play from the lead, it might be a different game and a different strategy. Who knows? But uh, the DBs got, you know, were, were victimized again. Jamel Dean leaves the game with an injury. You got to bring in D Delaney. You got a makeshift secondary with Ross Cockrell playing. You got Jordan Whitehead and you know Winfield and those guys, and they and they just couldn't couldn't get off the field. The pass rush wasn't very good. Uh, the Rams didn't run the ball great by any means, but the pass rush was just not very good. And then Deshaun Jackson blew the top off the defense that early in that third quarter. Yeah, I mean, three sacks in three games, kind of uh, concerning, if you will, because 48 sacks last season, so they definitely got to put it together. But once again, as we talked about on the pre-show on NSPN, when you're missing a gamer like a JPP, it's definitely going to hurt that defense. And at the end of the day, it definitely did. But you also got to give credit to where credit is due. Sean McVay had an outstanding game plan to counteract whatever the Bucks were trying to throw at him. And then, of course, it didn't doesn't help losing a Jamel Dean because you're exactly right. Our old friend, Deshaun Jackson, uh, what, third play of the third half? Second half. Yep, 75 yards to the house, and uh, B.A. called it a bust. It was a communication failure by Carlton Davis and, of course, Mike Edwards, and I just knew somehow, someway, Deshaun Jackson would have an impact versus the Bucs, and he did, leading wide receiver for the Rams last Sunday. You and I talked in the pregame on your on the NSPN show. We thought, you know, we were all very excited about Mike Edwards last week, two interceptions. I, I thought that, that Rams were going to figure out ways to isolate their receivers on our safeties. And on that, on that Deshaun Jackson touchdown, Mike Edwards been on a double move by Deshaun Jackson. He thought the in route was coming. Jackson took one step to the inside and turned it up to the post. Wide open, walk-in touchdown. You know, I don't. Again, you don't want safeties on wide receivers in this league. And in the slot, that's one area where, the, again, the Bucks were depleted in the secondary, so they had to do a little bit of that. 
and they got burned. Yeah, they got burned, and Cooper Cup also had another great game versus the Bucs, and he's done that throughout his career. He is an absolute nightmare for this team. They have to figure out some way. If they meet them again, and there's a possibility in the postseason, possibly in the NFC Championship, you better figure out how to defend Cup. Yeah, I, I'm with you. And, and offensively for the Bucks in the game, they weren't bad on offense. They were good. They weren't great. You know, no turnovers, which was good. Brady threw for a bunch of yards. You know, some of those yards were some garbage yards at the end. But that, the most concerning thing to me, and I know you as well, the lack of a running game. The, the inability, one, to commit to it to some degree, and two, to get any productive yardage out of it. Yeah, when Tom Brady is your leading rusher, you've got a problem. He's a 44-year-old quarterback coming off knee surgery, so you definitely don't want him to be your leading rusher. They have to figure this out, Jason. Is it going to be Ronald Jones? Is it going to be Leonard Fournette? More than likely, it's not going to be Giovanni Bernard because he's hurt. So somebody at the end of the day has to step up. Who's it going to be? Is it going to be Keyshawn Vaughn? you got to have a running game because if you don't have that balance to your offense, basically, as great as Tom Brady is, you become one-dimensional. Yeah. And the offensive line did an adequate job Sunday. He didn't get Brady didn't get killed or anything. He got sacked a couple times and was under pressure. But when you throw it 55 times, you're not going to be clean the whole day. There's going to be some pressure. You got Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, a good, a really good Rams defense. So again, the offense wasn't bad. That wasn't the problem. The defense was the issue Sunday. So the yeah, Bucks go to sorry. The Bucks go to two and one. Obviously, we have this epic showdown coming in Foxborough on Sunday. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But just your general thoughts about the Bucks Patriots historical series. Not a lot of matchups. Only nine. Only nine regular season matchups. Not a lot of great memories either. One comes back to me that would be 1997 when the Bucks clearly dominated that team. That's one of my favorite years to watch Bucks football because, of course, that was the year they got back to the playoffs. Second year in Tony Dungy, they beat them 27 to seven. The game that really kills me is 2017 with Jameis Winston. You know, it's a nationally televised game and you have three missed field goals by Nick Folk. And I believe that's also the year you go into hard knocks and you have that kicking and everybody's certain that Nick Folk is going to be the guy. Consequently, he's kicking for the New England Patriots next Sunday night, but he couldn't make three field goals. If you make those three field goals, more than likely you win the game. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. First meeting with the Patriots was back in 76. Uh, final game of 76. Obviously, we all know the Buccaneers were winless that year. You know, the Bucs lose. You know, quarterbacks, memorable players back then for the Patriots, people you might remember. Steve Grogan was kind of in the, the infancy of his career with the Patriots. He was a longtime Patriot quarterback. You know, you had obviously the Buccaneer guys of the early, late, mid, mid to late 70s. Um, you know, not, not a lot, not a lot of stuff going on there, but, um, you know, the first, you know, 1988, again, they've only played nine times in the regular season. Remember now, the way the scheduling goes in the NFL, you're going to play these AFC teams every four years. Every eight years in your building, but every four years you're going to play them. So there won't be nearly as many uh, gaps in the in the schedule of playing the Patriots as there was back in the you know 80s and 90s and 2000s. Yeah, no, absolutely. You had the uh, greatness of Steve Spurrier, Way back then, and then you get to the 80s, you have Steve DeBerg, you have uh, some sighting yeah. of Mark Carrier yeah. uh, later on. 
with uh, Vinny. I mean, the Patriots weren't a great team back then either. I mean, honestly, they weren't until Bill Parcells, who, by the way, left the Bucks at the altar in, what, 1992? Something still, like that. Still will not forget it. He ended up coaching the Patriots, wearing the hats that he didn't want to necessarily wear for the Bucks, and he turned them into a Super Bowl contender. And then, of course, after that, it was the Tom Brady era, which lasted for about, what, 20 years? Yeah, so. yeah. 1985's game we'll hit, hit, hit the 1980. Obviously, the Bucks were not very good in 1985. That was Lehman Bennett's first year as the coach. But remember, 1985 was the year the Patriots went all the way to the Super Bowl. Tony Eason, you know, those Raymond Barry was the the the, you know, the, the former uh, Baltimore Colt receiver was the coach for the Patriots. the The Patriots were a surprise team. They went. They were a wild card team. They went all the way to the Super Bowl, and obviously, they lost to the Chicago Bears that year in the in the uh, Super Bowl shuffle. With the, with the great Bears team of 1985-86 Super Bowl. So the Bucks lost to New England that year, 32-14. And again, uh, you know, just uh, one of the uh, – uh, the Patriots were not very good either during those – during the 80s as well. Other than that one year, the Patriots and the Buccaneers had a very, uh, very dreadful period of the 1980s. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. But you go back to that – that Patriots year, they were surprised. Did they not beat the Miami Dolphins in the AFC Championship game? In Miami, Dan Marino. Yes, and that was the year that, of course, the Bears had their first loss on what? Monday Night yeah. versus Dan Marino. The Miami Dolphins. There you go. <laughs> everybody, everybody was, I remember that. Everybody was anticipating the rematch in the Super Bowl, the high-flying Dolphin offense against that Bears 46 defense. And, and again, the, the give, give the Patriots full credit. Craig James, we all remember him from the broadcasting world, the Pony Patriot from SMU. He and Eric Dickerson were the one-two tandem at SMU. He was a big running back for the Patriots. And during that period in the mid-80s, you know, again, you had Raymond Berry coaching them. You had Stanley Morgan, Andre Tippett, some of those kind of guys from the Patriot days uh, that led to the 1990. That for some reason, I don't know why, but the Bucks Patriots played in Jacksonville, Florida at the Gator Bowl. Any idea why they played in 1990 there? No idea. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm curious why that – yeah, no no clue. Are they trying to promote – well, I think they were trying to promote Jacksonville at that point. I guess maybe Jacksonville was trying to show that they could have an NFL team, yeah. which they did with the Jacksonville Jaguars, what, five years later? Right. As a team? So yeah. I guess it worked out. I don't know. They still have problems drawing there. We'll see – what happens with Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence, but maybe that was the reason why. Buck's first win comes in in 2000 when, guess who was the quarterback before Tom Brady? Drew Bledsoe. Mm-hmm. A mere one year before the Mo, the famous Mo Lewis hit by the Jets, which knocks Bledsoe out of the game, which gives Brady his first opportunity. Sean King, with a with an epic fake spike, throws a fade route to Redell Anthony, a famed Florida Gator lore. But uh, the first win for the Buccaneers comes in uh, – actually, not the first win. The second win comes in 2000 with Sean King leading the Buccaneers. Yeah, no, absolutely. I remember that fake spike right before halftime. Uh, they were being tricky, and, of course, you saw that before in history with who? Dan Marino. Against the New York Jets. So there you go. Uh, it's so funny how football works sometimes. But you're exactly right. Second win, I don't remember that game. I don't I'm either. The 97 game, but then after 
97 and 2000, it was all downhill after that. (laughs) Yeah, right, right, no doubt. So Tom Brady takes over the Patriots in 2001. The Bucs play the Patriots. In the last 21 years, the Bucs have beaten the Patriots one time. Obviously, Mm. they've not lost at all when Tom Brady was the quarterback the last four meetings. The the biggest part of those meetings was the – the anemic nature of the Bucks' offense. They've only scored 24 points in those four games in the, in the 2000s and 2010s when Tom Brady was the quarterback, highlighted by a, a quality job of the offensive line. Seven sacks given up in a Chris Sims start back in, I think it was 2013. You know, 2005. 2005. Sorry, sorry, my mistake. Correct. Right. And 2005, that was a playoff team that year. I believe they also won the division. But they got eliminated by the Washington uh, football team, Redskins back then, Sean Taylor. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that was kind of the litmus test, right, Jason Powers? I mean, that 2005 team, Chris Sims, kind of like Williams, they could do absolutely nothing. So even though they were a playoff team at that point, they weren't as good as the New England Patriots and Tom Brady, not even close. And remember, that was the heyday of the Patriots dynasty. They had won three out of four Super Bowls. Brady was in the absolute prime of his career during that time. They still had all the big guys on defense, Brewski. They had uh, Willie McGinnis, Ty Law, all those guys on defense. Obviously, you had Brady. You had probably you, you had uh, you know the the, 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 role, the role players that they had on offense. Belichick. It was just a I won't say it was a mismatch, but and that was kind of the kind of the 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 John Gruden era started to kind of go downhill. That 2005, six, seven period is when the, is when the kind of the John Gruden era in Tampa started to wane a little bit. Yeah. 2005 was their best year after the Super Bowl. And then after that, you're exactly right. It kind of went down. It was up and down there at a point. And then when he got fired, of course, what they were nine and two or nine and three and they lost out and could make it to the playoffs. They were nine and seven and he got fired. You're exactly right. But. 2005, you honestly thought with that team, maybe they would have a chance. I think it was Michael Clayton also yep. that team and um, just didn't, didn't, they weren't as good. They were no, no there's a lot of teams out there that weren't as good as Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, and the New England Patriots back then, especially at Foxborough. You're barely going to win anything there. Yeah. Yeah. You, you weren't going to Foxborough back then and winning, winning games at all. They, uh, crazy. All right. Yeah. Let's head to 2009. Kind of a a, a, a a landmark game for the Bucks in two ways. One, the game was at Wembley. You know, obviously with the Glazers' connection with with Manchester United, the Bucks were a, were a, were a fan favorite to go to London to go play at Wembley. So, two thousand nine, they played the Patriots in Wembley. Josh Freeman, first round draft pick. We all thought he was the big up and coming. You know, the first round draft pick quarterback. Mark Dominic picks Freeman in the first round. He gets his first opportunity to play in that game. And, 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 and another memorable part of this game is BuckPower.com's own Paul Stewart, the unofficial Buck historian. NFL Films does a game, does a profile of Paul over in England as part of the, the coverage of the game. And as part of the, the, the footage, Paul gets to step in for Gene Deckerhoff on the radio and do a little play-by-play. Do you remember that? I don't. I didn't remember it, but I listened to Paul. Paul did a hell of a job. And if he were a football announcer and he were doing it on radio, I would be excited. You know, remember, G- those of you that don't know, obviously people don't probably don't know Paul. Again, Paul is the, is the 
uh, creator of BuckPower.com. We're part of the BuckPower.com podcast network. And what we're going to do here is I, I interviewed Paul a couple days ago to talk about his experience of stepping in for Gene, you know, the whole, all that stuff. And Paul's got a broadcasting background. So it's not like Paul is, was a rookie doing this. He'd had, he's got, he's had lots of experience doing television and radio over in England. And so we're going to hit, let's, let's listen to Paul Stewart's comments concerning Gene taking over for one Gene Deckerhoff. All right. We are going to be joined right now by Paul Stewart. Paul is the founder and and creator of buckpower.com. We are this web this podcast, the no quarter given is a, is a part of the buckpower.com podcast network. So we're very uh happy to bring up, bring our our employer to some degree in and bring it bringing Paul in Paul Stewart into the uh podcast and we are going to reminisce a little bit about some Bucks Patriots and Paul's got a couple a great story about a moment in Wembley, when I'm going to let Paul tell the story, but Paul took the mic from one Gene Deckerhoff for a couple of minutes. Welcome back, Paul. Thank you, Jason. Yes, so 2009, the Buccaneers were playing in the International Series games in London, as you said, at Wembley Stadium. That was where the NFL would take two teams over to play a meaningful game yep. in front of 80,000 British fans. And the first one had been in 07 with Miami and the Giants. The Saints and the Chargers came over in 08, and the Bucks were brought across in 2009. Now, it counted as a Buccaneer home game, but of course, they, you know, at that point, they were 0-6, taking on a rather strong team in New England with a well-known quarterback who I think now plays in Tampa. Um, <laughs> the Bucks were on a hiding to nothing. But I mean, as I said, it was NFL football, meaningful regular season NFL football, and at Wembley Games, Jason, have got everyone goes because it's the NFL. You don't really just have Buck fans, Patriot fans. You have fans of every team go to the game to watch the, the whole experience. And you could see all 32 NFL teams represented within minutes of walking around the stadium. So it's a huge experience of British fans. But because it was the Buccaneers, I was very heavily involved. I was interviewed by you know numerous papers and media outlets because of my involvement here in the UK. NFL Films were doing a documentary about me. Um, we had a touch football game where Leroy Selman, Mike Allstott and Shelton Pauls were there. Um, I even handed the ball off to Mike Allstott for a touchdown run, which is a nice claim to fame. But on the day of the game, um, they, they arranged for me to take over on the radio commentary from Gene Deckhoff. So in the last 30 plus years, only three people have ever called a game for Buccaneer Radio. Gene, TJ Reeves did half a game when Gene's play was delayed, and I got to part of the fourth quarter of the Bucks Patriots game. It also coincided with Josh Freeman's very first play in the NFL. They brought him in, and I was on the microphone. Um, I got the very first play wrong because they changed they changed kick returners from Sammy Strauter to Yvon Figures, eighteen to sixteen. I was I had taken the seat of the spotter, so I had no one identifying the players for me. I'm trying to look at from like 60 yards away with no binoculars. So the very first play, I got it wrong. And I was, oh, I was mortified. You know, I was, what have I done? They were fine. Gene saying to me, no, no, no. He would have done exactly the same thing. So I called, called a drive. Amazing experience. I mean, I've done radio work all my life. I've done numerous TV shows on British television, live television. Nothing quite prepared me for sitting next to a legend 
like Gene Deckhoff and doing a commentary. But it went well. It was fantastic. But I've never been so glad to read a commercial break outlet right. and hand the mic over. I was so happy. That's all, That's great. And talk to us about, obviously, Buccaneer fans know that the, 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 the relationship between the Glazers and British and English football, with obviously them owning Manchester United, there's a love-hate relationship sometimes with the Glazers and Man, Man United over over across across the way where you're at. Talk about the relationship and what what the British fan thinks of the Glazers. Well, it's very difficult, Jason, because the Manchester United fans all think the money's being spent on the Buccaneers, and the Buccaneer fans all think the money's being spent on Manchester United. The actual truth is investment is made in both franchises. You know, it, it doesn't matter where you are, you're always going to think the other side's got better. Now, I've I've sat and watched an NFL game with Brian and Joel Glazer in the owner's box. They are as passionate, probably even more passionate than you and I are about a game. Believe me, I've seen Brian Glazer really fired up about a game when the Bucks were getting beaten. It was, you know, it was amazing to watch and, and great to see. And I've got to know them as friends and people. They're business people, but they're really good at what they've done. I mean, you look at how the Buccaneers were under Hugh Culverhouse in the 90s. They were a joke. Yeah. You know, cutting corners at every excuse. Now, yes, you know, Malcolm Glazer manipulated the stadium situation. Every NFL owner has done the same. There's nothing wrong with that. And we now have one of the greatest stadiums. We've hosted Super Bowls. We've got two Super Bowl championships sitting there at one buck place. So, yes, we've had some up and down seasons, but it's not been a fault of the ownership that any of this has happened. You know, it's almost been a case of player development, coaching situations, making a choice of coach which turned out to be wrong, but at the time it looked like the right one. So you can always hold people to account. But right now, there are a whole bunch of other NFL franchises who would say, do you know what? We'd love to have two Vince Lombardis that Buccaneer fans have. No, you're right. There's, like I said, it's the same over here. There's, it's the kind of the Glazers are very much up and down in the public over down over here as well, depending on kind of what's going on in the community. I'm going to tell you a Mike Allstott story that you'll appreciate. I know you know Mike a little bit. Mike coaches high school football over here in Tampa, and I referee high school football here in Tampa as well. And about two weeks ago, I refereed Mike Allstott's team against another private school team in Tampa. And, and one of the other coaches on the other team was Martin Gramatica. Yep. And, and it gets better. It gets better. So the game is – the game's going on. In the third quarter, Mike Allstott's team's losing 42-16 to 16 with six minutes left in the third quarter. Final score, Mike Allstott 50, the other team 48. They score – they go on an unbelievable run in the last quarter and a half of the game and win the game 50 to 48. Now, because Mike, Mike Allstott, of course, was known for, for his ability to run the ball and run the clock out. Yeah. So you're not telling me that he's coaching a team that comes back from deficits. Interesting, just changing things, Jason. Massive deficit, yep. And he was as fiery on the sidelines as he was as a player. I mean, very intense, very into the game, all that good stuff. All right, last thing I'll get you out of here, Paul. Paul, you've got an unbelievable website, buckpower.com. Talk to the audience and talk to the, you know, the part of your, your podcast network. How did this website come about? Where did all the passion come from for you? And where did you, you know, if you've not been on buckpower.com, fans, go. 
every game, every box score, audio clips, video clips from every game, every every rivalry. That's where this podcast, no quarter given this come from. Talk to the audience, Paul, about where all that where that idea came from for you. Well, for me, it was almost 40 years ago, one of the first ever games shown on British television. We were showing highlights, showed highlights of a Monday night game, introducing the NFL to British fans. And I missed the first couple of shows, but the first one I watched, Tampa Bay beat Miami. And I thought to myself, well, that team in Norwich must be pretty good. I'm going to support them. They then had 14 straight losing seasons. And Doug Williams, when he found out about this, decided it was my fault, not his fault, <laughs> that they had all those bad years. But I think when you become a fan of a team, especially here in Britain, whether it's a soccer team or any other team, that's your team for life. So I'm a Buccaneer fan. And I've, you know, I, I went through the losing. And I've, I've said on TV many times, you can't appreciate winning until you've been through the losing. You know, you can't appreciate true love until you've been burned. So I grew up, you know, with all those bad days. So, of course, when we started winning in the late 90s and the Super Bowl, the passion was there. I was writing a magazine for British fans called There's Always Next Year, which summed up being a Bucks (laughs) fan. I think I did did 200 copies of that. And I thought, well, okay, I'm going to start building a website. And I launched Buck Power on January 2002. I'm getting near 100 million hits all time since then. It's always free to access. It always will be. There's no hidden screens. It's just, you're right. It's every player, every game, everything bucks. And I do it because I love it. You know, if I didn't enjoy it, I wouldn't do it. But I've made so many friends, Buccaneer fans around the world. I've, you know, I've got to know so many players and front office people. I'm coming over for a game in November against the Giants on Monday Night Football. I'm going to be meeting so many people for the first time I've never met before. And to me, that's what being a Buccaneer fan is all about. No, you're right. And, and you and I have never met in person. We've talked several times on Zoom. So it'll be a, it'll be a pleasure to meet you in person. And uh, we'll pa- keep up the great work, Paul. You are a jewel for the Buccaneer franchise. Again, you are the unofficial historian. And again, if any fan, anybody that wants to know anything Buc- Buccaneer related in their history, buckpower.com is the place to go. Uh, awesome video clips from back in the day, network TV, cable TV, audio clips, Mark Champion, Gene Deckerhoff, TJ Reeves, and even Paul Stewart on the call. Brilliant. Thank you, Jason. Awesome, Paul. We'll talk to you soon. Appreciate it. Keep up the great work. Thank you, sir. All right, we're back. So you heard Paul Stewart's comments. Very excited about the opportunity. Very, you could tell in his voice he was very nervous. He, he you know, as you heard in, in his words, he was scared to death taking over for Gene. And it was just, and he was really doing it in garbage time of the game. It wasn't even the meat of the game. It was late in the game. He, 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 he was on the air for a couple series. Our, our buddy TJ Reeves was in attendance there as well. So it was just a cool experience for, for Paul. And, uh, and you also got a little insight of what Paul, what Paul's vision was for buckpower.com, why he created the website that he did, why it's so important to him, and just a great job by Paul. And, again, Paul's a guy that's uh, a diehard Buck fan. Paul actually, Peter, I don't think you know this, Paul is actually coming back to the States for the Giants game on Monday night later in November. Nice. Well, welcome back, buddy. And, uh, of course, he got a chance to call Josh Friedman's first pass. Yep. So very cool. And he just stepped right in. I mean, you, you could hear he's a little bit nervous. But then, you know, Dave Moore, he starts to sit down. And I guess Gene took a break. 
and he took over and he was calling the game. And, you know, when you're a radio announcer and you have to be a play by play guy, you have to paint a picture. It's not necessarily like TV where you have the visual. You have to paint that picture. And he did a hell of a job. Great job, Paul. And the other part he was said he was so nervous about, too, was NFL films as part of their story about Paul. They had a camera right there in the booth basically two feet away from him as he's doing the broadcast. So I know he mentioned that in, in, in his interview about how more nervous you would be with NFL films sitting right there filming it all while you're talking. I can't imagine. I honestly can't imagine. I mean, I'm in front of a camera all the time, but you got that camera. It's NFL films. You're yeah. going to be filed. You don't want to mess up. You don't want to stutter. You don't want to mess up on the name. And of course he did, he called the kickoff and he messed up on the name, but Gene correctly said, that's okay. He hasn't been there all day long. Right. So he said Sammy Strader, and I think the guy was uh, figures at the time, and he got it wrong, and Gene was like, that's all right. That's okay. And I think that's where he kind of calmed down. But you could hear, uh, you know, that soccer influence, if you will, calling it overseas. You could definitely hear that TV experience come out on that play-by-play by Paul. It was great. Yeah, I think you and I are going to get to hopefully meet Paul in November when he comes over. He's coming over for like, Six or seven days, he said, and so I know he. I know we'll we'll at some point try during his visit. We'll try to get together with Paul and meet Paul and all that stuff. So he yeah. he's a diehard fan. You know, he's got he he could tell story after story off the air. He was telling me a couple of stories and just over of over the years is great stuff. So definitely fans, buckpower.com is your place for yes. all things Buccaneer audio, video, statistics, everything. And I tell you right now, I was going on the site today to do more research. And it just, again, it takes you back to when you were a kid and you used to watch these games on TV. This guy actually has the footage. Like, there's no faking the funk when you go to buckpower.com. It's all about the history of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And if you're a great fan, you should definitely check it out. All right. So let's get to the showdown of showdowns. We've been... This one's been circled on the calendar the day the schedule came out. We knew we were going to Foxborough. We didn't know when on the calendar it was going to be. Week four, Sunday night football. The whole football world will be watching this game. Probably will be the most highly rated regular season game. Maybe in NFL history, I think it will be. Absolutely. I mean, CBS, I mean, not CBS, NBC, Michaels, Collinsworth, they're going to be just, I mean, hyping this game. You should. You're already seeing the commercials on NBC hyping the game. Before we get to the game, the Bucks make an interesting signing this week. Richard Sherman. We had discussed Richard Sherman on the NSP pregame show over the weekend before week three that this was a possibility and it came to fruition. Your thoughts, Richard Sherman, to the Buccaneers? I mean, is he the same corner he was in 2012? No, but is an upgrade over what you have absolutely can you put a price on veteran leadership no you can't so getting him is absolutely a coup for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers especially with their two injuries to Sean Murphy Bunting and of course Jamel Dean he's absolutely going to come in here he's going to provide that leadership I still think he has something left in the tank and it was so cool to see him today say you know what Tom Brady recruited me. I could not turn it down. So a very good situation for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The key is, will he be ready to play on Sunday? I think that's what the Bucs anticipate. So we'll see what kind of impact he can make on that back end. But of course, again, it comes back to the front end. You got to get pressure on the quarterback, especially a rookie one in a Mac Jones. If you can harass him, 
that makes it that much better for Sherman and, of course, everybody back in that uh, secondary. No, I, mean, I, I think one of the key things about your, what you're going to see with Richard Sherman, sure, is he not he's not the player he was five years ago, but he's never been a great athlete. What he's great at, he, he's great at diagnosing formations, routes. I think that's one thing he's really going to be able to implore on Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean, Murphy Bunning, the young guys, reading formations, identifying route combinations. Those are the things that the Buck DBs have struggled on. They've, been, they've tended to bite on double moves. They've been confused sometimes with route. Con- That's where I think Richard Sherman, he's not going to play 50 plays a game. If he plays 20 to 25 plays a game, I think that's exactly what the Bucks want to do, especially early until he gets into shape. If, he, if they can get 15 to 20 plays out of Sherman on Sunday in New England, I think that'd be great. And once again, he gets a chance to uh, basically tutor a guy like a Carlton Davis, a Jamal Dean when he comes back, a Sean Murphy bunting, a D Delaney. Uh, you know, that is invaluable. That's the reason why you get a Richard Sherman, not necessarily because he's one of the top corners in the game, but because he can provide that communication that broke down in that Rams game. So I love the signing. It wasn't for much. We'll see how it works out. But when Tom Brady wants somebody, Tom Brady gets them, and he got Richard Sherman today. And, and the cool thing about that was, was Richard Sherman was in demand. Carolina was after him, San Francisco, Seattle. So he came to Tampa one because I think he he realizes the Bucks are going to be go deep in the playoffs as one and two. When Tom Brady makes that phone call, it's hard to say no to Tom Brady. It really is, and you know him come on his podcast and and say you know Carolina. Still, he he's got something to bring to the game. Yeah. He even said it. You know, I'm going to try to get as much juice as I can out of these old legs. And I tell you right now, it's going to be interesting what Todd Bowles creates for him schematically for Sherman in this defense. Nope, you're right. No, let's get to the game. Let's get to the breakdown, X's and O's, Sunday night. You made a great point about Mac Jones. The Patriot offense has been very lackluster, has not been very prolific. First things first, if you're the Buccaneers, shut down the running game. Make it a one-dimensional game for Mac Jones. He's yeah. not mobile. He's not a mover in the pocket, so there shouldn't be any issues with containment, things like that that you maybe had with Stafford, maybe you had with Dak Prescott a little bit. He's going to be there. He's going to be seven steps, five steps, but the ball's going to come out quick. So Buccaneer pressure, again, you don't have any elite wide receivers for the Patriots. Good players, not great. You know, Nelson Aguilar, Jacoby Myers, decent tight ends, Hunter Henry. What do you think your key is for the Buccaneer defense? I mean, for me, it comes back to what B.A. said a couple of days ago about Demon White. He's got to play better in coverage. He hasn't done that. He's a good run stopper, but you got to get better. And he's had some breakdowns that have cost the Bucks the last couple of weeks against the Land and, of course, against the Rams running into his own players. So I would expect not only the pass rush to get after and Todd Bowles to confuse the young rookie quarterback, but these linebackers to step up, namely a Levante David and, of course, a White. Let's go to the Buccaneer offense. Obviously, you have the Tom Brady versus Bill Belichick angle. What position do you take? Do you think, do you think Brady knows Belichick better, or do you think Belichick knows Brady better as far as tendencies, schematics, or do you think this might be a game where Belichick kind of aborts what he's done previously and comes up with something completely different? You know, look, he's going to try to take away your biggest weapon. Now, what's the Bucks' biggest weapon? Is it Mike Evans? Is it Chris Godwin? Is it Antonio Brown if he's back in this game? 
But whoever you take away, you're going to have to defend those other players. So to me, yes, I get it. Belichick and Josh McDaniels and that defensive coaching staff is going to know the tendencies. But at the end of the day, you also have to line up. You also have to try to hit somebody in the mouth. And honestly, I don't think that defense is good enough to stop a Tom Brady in that offense. In fact, this could be a very bad week for that Patriot defense. And of course, that Patriot offense with Mac Jones at the controls, a rookie quarterback, you got to feel like at the end of the day, this is an advantage. And to me, I feel like win this game by 20 points. And if you don't think Mac Jones, I don't care what kind of poise you think he has, if you don't think he's going to be not nervous as hell, knowing Tom Brady returns to Foxborough, Across the field from from you know you know Mac Jones Tom Brady you know all the emotion of the question I would have is what are the Patriots going to do in the pregame Are they going to do a three or four or five minute montage of Tom Brady to celebrate him or is Belichick or is Belichick going to say screw that we're not doing nothing But you would think you would have to I mean when he comes on the field he's going to be cheered for his accomplishments I get it people are going to say. Oh, he might be booed, whatever else. But come on, those are Patriot fans. They respect the history and the legacy of Brady. So they got to do something. If they don't, you know, that's even more of a motivational factor for Brady. And for me, the biggest key to the game is run the ball. Find somebody who's going to be your bell cow runner. Is it Leonard Fournette? Is it Ronald Jones? Is it Keyshawn Vaughn? Somebody, please stand up. I'm with you. And here's one more point I'm going to ask you. If the Bucs get a chance, if the Bucs are up comfortably, are the Bucs going to try to rub it into to Bill Belichick? Are they going to let Brady throw that one more touchdown pass, that one more long route, that one more trick play maybe to really stick it into the Patriots and Bill Belichick? Of course they would. Of course. <laughs> of course they would. And that's not even a B.A. decision or a Byron Leftwich. That's Brady saying, hey, I got this. I know what I'm doing. We're going to score until we blow their doors off. That is Brady. And don't buy all this nonsense about, you know, Brady underselling what Alex Guerrero said, because you know that that's his mouthpiece at the end of the day. And you know, Jason Powers, that Tom Brady wants to win this game and wants to win this game in a blowout. And I do believe the Bucs will do that on Sunday Night Football. The Bucs are running that right now, about six, six and a half point favorites Sunday night. And again... I will be interested to see as well from Tom Brady, how much audibling does he do at the line of scrimmage based on the defense he sees? How much of stuff is he going to say? You know what I've seen? I remember that back in training camp four years ago when Brady put that defense in, or I remember this coverage that they ran against Peyton Manning or against whoever. I'm going to audible out of it or I'm going to audible into something else. That's going to be an interesting thing for me is how much audibling Tom Brady does at the line of scrimmage. You're exactly right because it is a chess game, right? It's Belichick versus Brady. It's McDaniels looking at some of the tendencies. And once again, it's the defensive coaching staff and what they can do to stop this offense. And it's a chess game. It's an ultimate chess game. But at the end of the day, it favors Tom Terrific, Tom Brady. I'm with you. I think the Bucks win by double digits. I'm, you know, I think, I think you'll see a 13 to 13, you know, a 33 to 21, maybe kind of game, something like that. You know, I think the Bucs are going to really try to – for Tom, I think Arians and Leftwich are going to be very creative in the play calling this week, even more. I mean, again, they're not going to be crazy, but they're going to do, be creative. I guarantee you right now we're taping this on Wednesday night. I can promise you Tom Brady is drawing up some couple plays that he wants in the game plan this week. 
Absolutely. And of course, uh, you know, the, one of the most important things of the night, it's my birthday. So that's an omen in itself. The Bucks are going to win that game, period. <laughs> and we're going to be live at Ducky Sports Lounge, 1719 West Kennedy Boulevard in Tampa. Come down, see yours truly, along with Mr. Jason Powers, Blake Anthony, and the whole NSPN broadcasting team. Remember, folks, you can catch Peter pregame, halftime, postgame, NSPN and the I Love St. Pete Facebook platforms, live streaming, all live from Duckies. You know, great crowd at Duckies down in South Tampa. This is our this will be our uh, fifth week, actually. We did a preseason game. Fifth yeah. week in a row we'll be at Duckies. So definitely if you, if you come, if you can't get the Duckies, it will be a madhouse at Duckies Sunday night. I can promise you that. If you can't get there, get online, Facebook, NSPN, I Love St. Pete. Check out the Powers on Sports podcast, my podcast. I've got Roy Cummings, the longtime Buccaneer reporter on this week. We're breaking down the NFL topics. We're breaking down this game even further. And I got Vince Ferrara, who's my buddy up in Knoxville, Tennessee, SEC football coverage, college football notes and notes and nuggets from around the college football world. And again, Peter, we're looking for three and one after four weeks. You know, the, all teams always like to break the season in quarters. We got one additional game this year, so it's not quite the first quarter, but the fourth game, we want to be three and one heading to week five in the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And and look, it's not going to get any easier from here. So it starts now in Foxborough and see what this offense and of course this defense and even the special teams, because all three phases of the game last week were not the best. So you got to play all three phases of the game. You've heard it before, and we'll see if the Bucks can put it all together on Sunday night. So yeah. it's I tell you right now, it's so much fun to do that pregame show with you. I'm looking back at it today, watching because we're sitting there. You have this crowd full of Bengal fans. You have all these fans that are watching different games, and we're updating you while we're doing the pregame yeah. show. It was just great stuff. It's a great atmosphere. Definitely get out to Ducky Sports Lounge. And one more, one more strategical point in the game. I think you'll see the Patriots empty out the playbook. Trick plays fake punts, things like that. One big injury for the Patriots, no James White. He's out for the year. So that's a big advantage to the Buccaneers in the third down game and the pass protection part of things. So let's get this pass rush going here, Peter, this week. Shaq yeah. Barrett, no, probably no probably no JPP this week. Let's go, Joe Tryon. Show us why you were number one draft pick, buddy. Yeah, no, absolutely. Shaq Barrett needs to get it going, and you're exactly right. Not having a James White is a tremendous loss. And I tell you right now, they can try to empty out that playbook, but at the end of the day, you still have a rookie quarterback that in your, you're going to be very limited in what you can do. And I'm going to be really interested to see what Todd Bowles and what he puts together to confuse Mr. Jones. On absolutely, Sunday. absolutely. Great work, Peter. We'll see you Sunday. Again, you're listening to the No Quarter Given Podcast. Find us on all the podcast platforms, Google, Stitcher, Apple, Spotify, wherever you find your podcast. Remember, folks, subscribe, rate, and review. We want to hear from you, the fans, how we're doing, if you want to see us do something different. And next week, we'll be previewing the Miami Dolphins as they're heading to Raymond James Stadium. Keep up the great work, Peter. Good job. And we will see everybody next week. No Go Bucks! Happy birthday, Peter, on the No Quarter Given Podcast.
Join us again soon for another preview of a scallywag buccaneer foe when we come back with another No Quarter Given podcast. And make sure for the best in historical buck coverage, you go to buckpower.com. And as always, keep listening to the buckpower.com podcast network.